0: Find love at first drive, and start shopping now at Carmax.com. Carmax—the way car buying should be.
1: Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Texas A&M is pulling out of the Bad Boy Mower College Classic in South Dakota and is replaced by Northern Iowa. And I was just like, "Okay, this sport's already off the rails." If that sentence exists in the world. <laughs> Pete (laughs) Thamel. Notre Dame Clemson was an event. Alabama,
2: Georgia was an event. There are, it is an eventless year in the Pac 12 right now.
3: And SI's Pat 40. There are several other coaches too out there that are doing the same thing. Hey, we're taking a pay cut over here. We're taking a pay cut. By the way, we're getting a big raise in
1: 2021. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Hope everyone is doing well. They are midweek. Uh, we've got basically a big temp semifinals coming up, semifinal Saturday. See, I can market this thing for Fox, whoever's <laughs> showing these games. Uh, we got Will Muschamp out. We got basketball uh, going, all sorts of crazy stuff in college hoops as this season is apparently about to start. <laughs> Good luck. And a bunch of other stuff. But we want to start with some news that we got breaking on Wednesday that I think is pretty interesting. John Wilner of the hotline out at the San Jose Mercury News, preeminent Pac-12 reporter, says uh, due to all these cancellations and going on in the Pac-12, the there was a, at least a discussion and maybe an approval from the athletic directors of the Pac-12 that they would start allowing non-conference games to be scheduled if your game... If, if they cannot work out a conference game. Now, we saw Cal UCLA get played at the last minute uh, and literally pushed back to Sunday morning, a 9 a.m. Sunday morning Pacific time kick. Uh, so they're going to try to play in league. But if it doesn't happen and you're sitting there three days out and you can schedule a non-conference game or something like that, go right ahead. May that may happen. We will see if they get there. Now, this is a reversal from the earlier idea that you know, everyone had to have the same standards. Of course, the Pac-12 brought out some daily rapid testing plan that was supposed to eliminate all the problems, which clearly has not worked. But here we are. So this would be a big step for the Pac-12. And it adds some really interesting kind of dynamics, which we like, in that no longer we just be looking at a set schedule, but could you add BYU that's undefeated? Could you could you have like a late season game where the Pac-12, which I think is currently on the outside looking in of a playoff, might sit there with Oregon or USC and and have an open date and go, hell, let's see if Cincinnati can play. Let's, let's, let's create something that gets us in, even if it might also get somebody else in. Or let's play a BYU. We need some pop out here because right now as as the you know, the dominoes fall, it's unlikely to be a Pac-12 team. So kind of interesting. What have we heard on that? What are your thoughts on on the possibility of like some kind of late, wild Pac-12 American AAC showdown to try to get in the playoff? Pat, why don't we start with you? Oh, it's
3: interesting. Interesting premise. And, you know, I think it is a realization by the Pac-12. First of all, you know, that when you set up a six-game schedule and you start losing them, That's a big loss. And then, secondly, yeah, with a realization that we are on the outside looking in, and maybe we can, you know, more games would help. And it would be great, yes, if they could set up some actual high profile matchups. The questions there are yeah, is their testing protocol going to sync up with what your testing protocol is? And then, if you're undefeated Oregon or undefeated USC, Do you want the risk of losing a game to BYU? I mean, both sides should go into it thinking we aren't getting there as it is. So let's try and play and may the best team win. And maybe that team gets enough of a boost that they have a shot to get in the playoffs. I mean, I, I would be all for it. I think it'd be great. It'd be great for BYU. Cincinnati, as you mentioned, might need it. Marshall uh Coastal Carolina some other the other undefeated teams out there you know that i think it would be great to see nimbleness and kind of adventurousness of hey let's take on a let's take on a game that lo- we may lose but if we win it may really help
2: i think one of my favorite stats of this season is that Texas State has played we're taping this on wednesday 10 football games all right Texas State has played 10 football games i think Tulane will have played 10 by uh, the end of the week i think they have a midweek game utah has played zero football games (laughs) brian kelly who's uh the notre dame coach whose background is in politics well has never found a question he couldn't politicize uh i asked him after the notre dame bc game about uh i don't even remember what the question was about but the answer was completely different than the question and the answer to the question was you know he was like that's a really good question Pete. we've already played a big 10 schedule they're eight no Big 10 is going to play eight games. So it was, and then he started talking about wear and tear and what happens. And it was like the, the playoff politicking to, to, and my question was not, will you please politic for the playoff? So, but I really think that there is a huge inequity just in actual games played. And I am of the opinion that as, as of right now, the PAC 12 has zero chance at making the playoff. And it's, it's just simple. I mean, if everything goes right, Oregon could go 6-0 and to 7-0, I guess. Or, uh, I mean, look, could they beat god-awful USC team that's backdoored its way to 2-0? and Is that going to, like, push them into the playoff conversation? I think Oregon's good, but I just don't think there's going to be enough games. So I would be aggressive. I would be creative. I would root for—because I think BYU is the second-best team in the Pac-12. I don't you know. think it, I, don't, I don't think it's close, right? I mean, I mean, maybe we. Don't, I guess we don't well, have. a great might be the first size. Yeah, no, they could well be the best. Yeah, no, that's and that's and that's very fair. They certainly have the best quarterback in the Pac-12. So I really think that it would be counterintuitive to power five institutional arrogance to reach outside. Like there would be, there would take a humility that I don't know if Oregon has as an athletic department. Does that make sense? Like I don't think that. It's in the blood of Oregon now that, you know, they've spent 10, 12 years, you know, amid the sports upper tier to say, we need to go outside. We need to go to an independent to validate how good we are. But here's what the Pac-12 doesn't have. It doesn't have an event. Like, you need a game that's an event. Like, Notre Dame-Clemson was an event. Alabama-Georgia was an event. There are—it is an eventless year in the Pac-12 right now. There is—I mean, the big event was Arizona State. USC, which was kind of a bad opening football game, that you know you, you didn't leave feeling great about either program. Like you you couldn't stand on the table and say oh USC's a lead after this. And shoot Joel Klatt after the Arizona game, uh, I think it was Joel Klatt doing that game. He was just basically like USC's not any good, you know, on on the broadcast. And usually the broadcasters tend to be partisan to their partners. So I I think right now the Pac-12 is uh, is floundering and it needs to recognize its floundering and and be creative to
1: rise above its own mediocrity so so BYU has no no game scheduled right now on 11 28 12 5 or 12 19 so you know now if it's an Oregon or something like that they're playing in a Pac-12 championship they may not get the, the 12 19 will be full but even a lower team in the in the league could it could help but just improve strength of schedule I think the real question for let's say let's say the Ducks have a the game blows up on the 28th or the twelve five, and they can um, play whoever they want. The Pac-12 does this and, and so in the hypotheticals. But let's say you can do. The question is, okay, we want to play a game. Do they have the arrogance? Are they too arrogant or are they too, where they think it doesn't matter and they call UMass or they call UNLV's got an open, you know, something like that and not say, no, we need BYU. We need you or we need Cincinnati, which I think doesn't play 12-12, right? Like, we have to have this game, so we're going to call the best team we can play, or are they going to go with the easy victory? Now, in the tradition of college football, they go for the easy victory. And they say, come on up, UNLV running Rebels, and we beat you, (laughs) haha, we won, we got our our content or our whatever it is filled inventory, and we get it, and they think we're going to be fine. You're not fine, like, I think you agree the American and, and BYU need and the PAC 12 all need each other equally at this point. And it may not just be Oregon, maybe any team in the PAC 12 to give them another game to just add some kind of spark to their league to try to get in. Cause right now it's like, they're not even into discussion and they need it. So I think that's going to be the big thing.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with you that, the that, that is the, the sticking point. And I sure would hope, that level of arrogance slash avoidance of a of a decent non conference game in a season where you're, play, you're scheduled to play six times would be pretty pitiful. I would hope that they would uh, would not be so craven. I'm not saying they wouldn't be. It is college football, and people love nothing more than those easy game easy wins. But it is it's going to be fascinating when it gets to the committee to look at the totally the wildly disparate schedules and number of games being played. You know, with Ohio State dropping one, Wisconsin dropping two, if Wisconsin ends up winning the Big Ten having played seven games. I know I'm in Cincinnati right now. I was on campus. I was in their building today. And they're they're very much harping on the fact that they're playing more games than the Big Ten and other Power Fives institutions. It's like, yeah, we're going out there. We're putting it on the line 11 times, man. You know we're we're doing it. We've we we've kept our house in order from a testing standpoint. We've got our team ready. We've been there. You know we're going and playing every week. Okay, so the as, as Pete alluded to, that selling point is going to be, we're going to hear more and more of that in the next couple of weeks.
2: And we're going to hear a lot more and more of that, Pat, because there's going to be less and less games as as yeah. the weeks go on. Like the backdrop of this, it's like little opportunity, and uh, I mean. What is our game count at this week? Have we hit double digits yet? I think it I've was heard.
1: 10
3: or uh, 11. We'll end up with 20 canceled. 4, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 at this point.
2: All right. Yeah. We're going to start getting to the point where half the games are canceled every week. UNLV Colorado State, I've heard, is on the rocks and could fall later today. So, like, you know, yeah, there's going to be 20, 20 games. How many games are there usually in a weekend? 40, 45, something like that. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get to the point where, like— Oregon's gonna be lucky to play six games or creative to play six games and then you obviously just have the virus numbers in, in every and everything going on so it's just this fascinating battle of attrition to the
1: uh, to, to
2: the end I, I mean I just it is it is grim out there man
1: and there is nowhere else there are very few places to shuffle games anymore right after this this Saturday counting this Saturday you have four to five weeks left. Five weeks from this Saturday is championship Saturday. So those games are kind of spoken for. We don't, we don't really know. Not everyone is doing that on the 19th, although I expect most leagues will follow that kind of blueprint and play. Although we still have no idea what kind of games you would get, how many teams you want to play. But you, you start running out of dates the ACC shuffling thing. Everyone's trying to shuffle and make it work. It it's, it's held so far and I hope it does, but we're out of shuffle. There's just nowhere else to shuffle. So You very easily could see. And then I think it is imperative if you're the Pac 12, because it's not just Oregon, it's all the teams need to try to schedule the best game you can, not just the the easiest game. And that I think is where you're going to have that hardship. Because if you're, you know, you're a team that's 0 2 or you're, oh, I don't know, you're Stanford right now, you only need to win. You know, you want to win a game. And so are they really, is there any kind of, community is like we got to build ourselves up but certainly the pac 12 is much more of a group of five team right now uh or whatever you know other than than, than a power five power four power three leagues right now and, and and then there's the other two so gonna be real interesting i really want utah to play that's gonna be the one that like let's get let them play a little play
0: game
2: Right. Like, can you imagine going through all this nonsense for the last six months? You're there, you're back, you're back practicing, you're not doing anything. You, all these players, we've talked about this in the pod, have sacrificed tremendously all those collegiate things that we enjoyed collegiately. And, and, you know, like the things, the things you do, the benefits of playing, et cetera, like, man, let them at least play a game. I, I couldn't imagine going through all this and not playing.
3: Yeah, I was I was at Marshall uh, Tuesday, and that's I think they were saying there that the the players have been there since May 14th, and no breaks. They have not gone home. You know they they are they're getting tested constantly. They're constantly being reminded, don't do this, don't do that. Yes, do this. Yes, do that. It's been a rough, rough go for these guys. I mean i I hope we as fans of the sport respect and admire what the players have put themselves through to play this season.
1: Yeah, and you take a team like Marshall, they're having a dream season. Nationally ranked, undefeated, they would be the toast of campus, the toast of town. Mm -hmm. It's such a great community around that program and in Huntington where it just really matters. Um, And instead, they're basically isolated and, you know... And, and that's fine. Worse things can happen than not being celebrated, but just even right. the little things, right? You go get a coffee yeah. in the morning and the guy's all excited to see you, right? The, yeah. The, yeah, right? Yeah. And and just all the stuff. So Stuff walking across campus after a big win on Monday going to class? Yeah. Well, nobody's
3: walking across campus yeah. going to class. Yeah. Yeah. So. People give you an out of play on Zoom. All right, let's get <laughs> yeah.
1: to two games that we hope will occur. Big 10 semifinal Saturday. Indiana at Number nine, Indiana at number three, Ohio State. That is basically for the East Championship. Number 10, Wisconsin and number 19, Northwestern. That's basically for the West Championship. Uh obviously you can lose and come back, but you're going to ask a team to lose two of the next three games. And if you look at these schedules, uh there really aren't a whole lot of losses uh laying out there for them. I mean, I think like Northwestern win if Northwestern beats Wisconsin, they finish with Michigan State, Minnesota, Illinois. I like their chances. Okay, so you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin would still have to play Indiana and Iowa. Indiana would still have Wisconsin and uh, and Purdue. I mean. uh, Purdue, uh, you know. But basically, you're, you're going to ask a lot. So this kind of would settle it. Not how anybody drew it up. I can get. our If we go back and listen to our Big Ten preview, I don't think anybody was pointing to this Saturday <laughs> no. as the the critical Saturday. Hoosiers. <laughs> Hoosiers Ohio State. Thoughts on this? What do you like about these two games? Pete, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so much to like about Indiana because, and again, we have been more guilty on this than anybody because we embrace the negative. Uh, we embrace the suck here on this podcast. So we have spent a lot of energy on how bad Penn State is and even more energy on how bad Michigan is. And we have probably not dedicated enough energy to how good Indiana is because they are legitimately good. Now, do I think they're going to, when? No. Do I think they're going to cover? Maybe, but they have proven themselves to be a higher echelon Big Ten team, and that is through identification. It's not like they were beating Florida and Alabama for these dudes. I- identification, development, scheme, uh, and then the energy Tom Allen has provided that uh, that group. Like, just what a what a fantastic, tremendous job that they've done. And look, they've got great corners. They've got really good receivers. I, I still have a lot of questions about Ohio State's secondary, and I have a lot of questions about how Ohio State, when things break down on defense, does this staff have answers how to fix them? They have not been tested mid-game for that. So I am uh, I am fired up to see this Buckeye team, you know, paper dream team that Ryan Day thinks, you know, like, that honestly, the caliber of this team drove the Big Ten's decision to come back, right? Like, like the on-paper talent, of this team. So I would like to see them tested. I would like to see them punched in the mouth. I would like to see them have to react to adversity. And I do think Indiana will give them some adversity this weekend.
3: Yeah, I think so too. And that's the thing. I think you look at Ohio state's defense here and say, that's, that's the question mark giving up 5.51 yards per play, which is like eighth in the big 10. And again, they have not played a good schedule. All right. They played Rutgers, uh, a winless Penn state team, Nebraska, who's won one game. So, I mean, they they haven't played very good teams and still their defense has not been great. Now their offense is very, very good. Quarterback is great. Receivers are great. Line is very good. Running backs are good. So they can probably outscore Indiana, but they might have to outscore Indiana. I mean, I think that there's going to be points on the board both ways. Uh, and I am looking forward to seeing it. I mean, if you're Indiana, you know, I mean, you're just out of your mind excited for this game. You just got to make sure it doesn't get too big for you. But this is the biggest game Indiana's had since 1967, 53 years ago.
1: Good luck. They made the Rose Bowl that year? They made the Rose Bowl that year. They made the Rose Bowl that year. That's right. They used to have a little big red ball. They had had these little balls they hand out around town. That was their gimmick. (laughs) They called it the big red, keep the big red ball rolling or something like that. That's their That's their tradition. Um, That's all I know about Indiana football history. Pretty much. uh, Pretty much. (laughs) I remember they had a really good bench-clearing brawl once with Kentucky. Ah, nice. I remember that. That was a good game. All right, uh, and on the other side, to me, this is fascinating. Northwestern's D is really good. Uh, Again, this is like the 1986 Wildcats. Like, they're playing out of the old-school system. Let's run the ball. Keep (laughs) tough defense. Wisconsin's not afraid of that. They look, obviously, Wisconsin's looked unbelievable so far. They've also only played two games Illinois, who's terrible, and Michigan, who's pretty terrible, too. But can Northwestern's defense stop Wisconsin? And this is just a, again, if Northwestern gets by this, all of a sudden there's an inside track. And then, I mean, there's just all sorts of interesting things. What if Indiana does pull that upset? All of a sudden, Northwestern's like a favorite for the playoff. I actually think Northwestern's better than Indiana. But like I this, this, this is pretty interesting out West, but for, for, for that program, it's like just being in these games and competing and trying to win the big 10 West is, is, is legit goal. You know, it's not just about playoffs. So can can we, I don't think anyone Northwestern thinks they're going to win the national championship, but to, to get to Indy, are they still playing the championship game in Indy? I guess yep. so. Okay. Yep would be a big deal. So what does this mean for Northwestern and and what do you think of this game, Pete? I mean, I
2: think it's a huge deal for Northwestern and I, uh, I, I think Northwestern is going to win this game. I really do. I really feel like defensively they have the pieces to match up with what Wisconsin does well and I don't feel like this is a Wisconsin team. Like we know that can maul you up front, like with the three first round picks or whatever, and they don't have the dominant tailback maybe that we've seen. So I I really, and I really feel like this Northwestern defense has just proved it week in and week out against good offenses. So, yeah, but I just I, – I again, this I've said this two or three times in different weeks in the podcast. Boy, would you love to for Northwestern to have this moment, right, to have the campus on fire, you know, top 20 matchup, west on the line, trip to Indy in the balance, and just, like, the campus on fire for, like, a once-a-decade kind of environment, right? Like, that would be really, really just a fun thing to see. One of the great things about college football, like, we'll see it at Iowa State the next couple weeks as, as they go is, like – there's only so many times like something's only been done like like Indiana now once every 50 years once every like and capturing that magic and that spirit is one of the great things of the sport. And Northwestern's clearly, you know, and obviously they made the Big Ten title game two years ago, but they're clearly trending towards one of those special seasons. And to 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 feel that visceral magic there, that's going to be missing. I'm, I am bummed for them. But I do think that the, the program has been great. And other than last year's anomaly has been consistently steady for seven or eight years. And so uh, I don't see any reason why Northwestern can't go toe to toe.
3: Yeah, boy, I agree. When we get around to picking, uh, I think we're going to be in lockstep on that one because I look at it, Wisconsin hasn't been challenged, hasn't been tested. They've only played two games. They were off two weeks. They played two lousy teams. They won easily. Northwestern has been tested. Okay, They've played close games, which is what they do eternally. Iowa has a winning record. Purdue has a winning record. Maryland has a winning record. They've played the better schedule. Uh, I think this becomes the stat I had in the... 40-yard dash this week. Wisconsin's red zone offense against Northwestern's red zone defense. Wisconsin scored 11 touchdowns on 12 trips to the red zone against teams that gave up, basically. Uh, Northwestern won't give up when you get in the red zone. They've only allowed 29% uh, touchdown rate for opponents when they get there. So, you know, Northwestern's defense reminds me a bit of Notre Dame's where it's they will keep things in front of them, they will wait for you to mess up and they will get tough near the goal line. And I, I think this uh, bodes well for the Wildcats. Incredible turnaround from last year when they were so awful, when they were three and nine and had like the worst passing game in the history of college football,
1: just about. All right, SEC, another really boring week in SEC play. I, I don't know how this happened. It's just the way this league has gone this year. And we're basically sitting around waiting for Florida and Alabama to play because I don't think anything – I guess Alabama-Auburn will always be good. There'll be some – there'll be more. But uh, Tennessee-Auburn is interesting only because there's – you know, how important every game to win is for Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Ole Miss-Texas A&M is off the board. That doesn't help Texas A&M, and they're pushed to be the fourth team. They need as many data points as they can get. Yes, they do. Including – Putting up huge numbers on an Ole Miss defense, which is prone to giving up huge numbers. <laughs> Alabama's playing Kentucky. Oh, maybe maybe the Wildcats can can rise up or something. But you have Arkansas, LSU, right? I mean, I, I saw somebody tweet this out. What level of bet would you have had to put on the idea that and it didn't pan out, but it almost was that? Well, let's put it this way: that one year ago today, if you if I had said Arkansas and LSU are going to play in one year. And LSU will only be favored by three points. <laughs> no shot. So you got that game. So in lieu of that, we'll talk about two things. One uh, one broke just after we taped the Monday overreaction. That is the firing of Will Muschamp uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, two and five. It's not that he didn't deserve it, but it was kind of a weird move at that point. It also spurred, like, the entire Gamecocks secondary to, to quit. <laughs> <laughs> A lesson to the rest of the coaches, the, the uh, schools out there. If you want bad teams, your bad team to play all the way through the season, don't fire the coach. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't <laughs> give them <laughs> another excuse to just bag it. South Carolina may not have a team in two weeks at this at this rate. Yeah, do not give them a reason to uh, to do that. So, I, I'm not expecting any. It was, I mean, like, did he have to go this week? Will Must champ to me. We talked about it. Sunday never made any sense. The part that really never made any sense was after 2018. They were seven and five. They finished their regular season. USC gives them a contract extension because this is what ADs do. This is what coaches demand. Since that moment, he's gone six and fourteen. Why would you give a guy a contract extension when he isn't doing well? <laughs> yeah. It's recruiting. If we don't, it's gonna hurt recruiting. And that didn't help. No. It's, it's always some nebulous thing that we can, well, maybe it did. Have, I mean, why do you just, they just get, they literally burn money. Yeah. This market for these schools has to reset somehow. The coaches are killing the schools. I don't blame Will. I would take that deal in a second. He's getting $13.2 $13. million as a buyout at South Carolina. Yeah. And he got for a doing huge, a bad job. For doing a horrible job when he never should have gotten hired, never should have gotten extended. But right. at what point do these schools start going, yeah, finish out your deal? I mean, we're already paying you a ton. You're not winning. You're doing nothing. You just got beat. He just got beat by Clemson. It wasn't like they just upset Clemson. Everyone was drunk and he talked someone into it. <laughs> All of these schools are the same way. And it's like, now you're out $13 million and you don't have any money. It's preposterous.
3: It's, I mean... Well, you you touched on it in your column, was great column uh Tuesday night on, you know, the the there is no smoking gun in college sports because the whole thing is the smoking gun. I mean, the whole, the, whole <laughs> the way it is set up is just a scam basically that continues to enrich football coaches and the administrators who hire them and pay them. Uh what was the like we okay. You talk about South Carolina, what about Tennessee? We just found out that Phil Fulmer got a completely unpopular, unpublicized two-year extension and got paid a retention bonus because who the hell wants Phil Fulmer as their AD other than Tennessee? <laughs> Nobody! <laughs> Where is he going? He is nowhere. Tennessee! <laughs> He's going nowhere! And that's, of course, the same school that had eight assistant coaches refuse to take a pay cut when they were asked earlier this year, including the offensive coordinator who's done a terrible job calling place or developing his offensive players re- and making 1.6 million. He re- no, I'm not going to take a pay cut. Okay. Jim Cheney, boy, way to make friends. The secretary down the hall, making 40,000. She's taking a pay cut. The guy that, you know, mows the grass at Neyland stadium. He's taking a pay cut. Not you. 1.6
2: million. Good job, buddy. The, the people who make, The decisions at Tennessee, you need to invite them to your next charity auction because they'll just be (laughs) like, Do I hear a thousand? A thousand, same person, two thousand. You're bidding against yourself, Bob. Three thousand. Oh, Philip Fulmer. Oh, give him a million. Give him one, two. We don't want you to leave, Philip. No, you might leave. Take uh, more money. The market for Philip Fulmer, athletic director, is a one school market. Yeah. <laughs> Middle Tennessee wouldn't hire him. Southern no. Tennessee wouldn't hire him. East Tennessee wouldn't hire him. Like the only place Phil Fulmer could get hired is Tennessee. And maybe he could like sign autographs at the Vol t-shirt stand down the road. He is a completely unqualified. The only thing he did to get the job at Tennessee was stab Tennessee coaches in the back and attempt to take their job for a decade. That's the only thing he did. He's as much of an administrator as he's a Pilates instructor. It makes <laughs> no sense. But oh, and as, Ten- as Tennessee continues to just like fall back, you know, who's laughing hardest are the other ADs in the SEC. They're like, oh, Philip, congratulations on that race. (laughs) Another decade of Tennessee napping in the corner of the SEC East Basement. Well, we just continue to carry on. Tennessee could be a threat in theory, and they have been a threat. And uh, they're going to end up regretting that Philip Fulmer won a national title. Because they're like, like they're that bound emotionally to it, and it reset the expectations probably to a somewhat unrealistic place, and all that has that place so scuttled. Yeah, Mark Nagy wrote the book uh, "Decade of Dysfunction" about Tennessee, and he he's gonna have a sequel in 2030 ready to go. Oh it's yeah. Just decade you just put put an s in like a permanent marker on the front and it can be decades of dysfunction because i mean who's gonna who's gonna decide to fire jeremy pruitt the ad they just gave an extension he didn't need to oh it's beautiful and the the ad who extended pruitt stupidly like uh in
1: october (laughs) yeah Uh, uh, the, the the tennessee thing okay in the announcing the fulmer extension because where again where would he go b who stands around and talks more about loyalty to Tennessee than Philip Fulmer. And yet he needs more money to be loyal to Tennessee. <laughs> what and a racket. I don't want to get into the business of telling a guy how much money you would make, but honestly, like Phil Fulmer is one of those guys at this point who should be making a dollar a year. Like he's one of those kind of like, I'll do it right. just for the, you know, I love this yeah. place. Not Tennessee has built my life. Now, OK, so in the thing, having state, they, they quote, this is the chancellor, having stable leadership at Tennessee athletics has been very important, especially in these uncertain times. He hired the coach that's two and four. Mm-hmm. OK, he hired all these people. Philip was the first to voluntarily take a 15 percent reduction in response to the COVID related budget. So this is in the second sent. This is the third sentence of the uh, of why he hired him. Yeah, he took the 15% reduction and now gets a raise. (laughs) He gets his retention bonus goes up 50 grand. He was his supplemental salary, still 900 grand. So 15% of that is what? 130 grand, 135,000. So he gets 50 back on a retention and he's now gets an additional bonus of a hundred thousand annually. Hey, guess what? He made 150 grand to give up 145 grand. <laughs> uh, do you have a calculator in Knoxville?
0: <laughs> no.
1: How stupid are you to point this out? Uh, this uh, guy cut his pay by 145 grand. And then we just gave him 150 <laughs> to make up for it. What a hero. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. That's
3: I mean, That's the thing. They, there are several other coaches, too, out there that are doing the same thing. Hey, we're taking a pay cut over here. We're taking a pay cut. By the way, we're getting a big raise in 2021. It's already written in the contract.
1: Every, every worker in America, I guess, made five Gs, and I got my boss all excited about me. I mean, I don't – I'm not even mad at them for doing it, but if that's your reasoning, i it's I, 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 incom, incomprehensible that no one sat there and said, hey, uh, Chancellor, you do know how the math works here, right? <laughs> You can't give a guy $150,000 bonus for taking 145000 and point out how great he is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. This is, the bubble will burst, and this is how it bursts. I mean, these deals, and and yeah, Muschamp, how the hell do you get so beyond, behind the barrel of Will Muschamp, you owe him $13.2 million to go away. How does that possibly happen? I don't, you, 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 you have no concept of money. You are, you are letting Jimmy Sexton ski mask you every single negotiation. Cause what you are scared that will Muschamp was going to leave for what, yeah. where, where's S- he going? Who wants him?
3: SEC what coaches has he done at don't place to- leave.
1: Yeah. SEC coaches don't leave. Where are you going to go in college sports? I mean come on this guy has done nothing through that point he had been through eight seasons he had had one good one at florida eight seasons he had done nothing and you sit there and go oh, I got to extend him got to give him that extension <laughs> it's uh, even gonna hurt the real dan it's going to hurt even the, even the really good coaches i don't know you have to pay this much now they're worth right? it but yeah like where you take Dabos, like, Dabo, he's either going to Alabama or, I guess, the NFL or something. I don't know. But was anyway, either going. Nick Saban, he was either going to go to the NFL or he wasn't. He didn't. I mean, I don't even mind those guys. It's not those guys who earn it. it I don't know. This thing is just like you just look around and go, what are you people doing? But everybody's yep. in on it, including old Phil Fulmer, getting <laughs> that extension because I'm 70. Might leave. <laughs> you never know. Better lock me up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Do you think like the poor PR guy was like, did the math like and was like, should we really be pointing this out? <laughs> like, should we really be pointing this out to, to, to everyone? Because like Fulmer's trotting himself out there as a hero. Remember his opening press conference, which should have been this like sad thing amid uh, amid their like dysfunctional search. And they ran off Curry and he was like, you know, like, oh, I wish Vicky could be here. And everyone was like, have you read
1: the room, Phil? Like, clearly his rim reading <laughs> skills are not up to date. Let me give you one more thing on this Fulmer deal now. His base and supplemental salary is 900 I don't know that his pay cut wasn't just off the base. Oh,
3: right. right. So yes, that's another thing I, that's been going on with a lot of these coaches is their, their pay cuts have been off the base, not off their total compensation. So the pay cuts are actually much smaller than you might think. Right, because
1: they're like tier one administrators yeah. in the system and they're making – 215 grand, but then mm-hmm. they get paid a million dollars to do a radio show down at the uh, the, the, the chicken yeah. shack, uh, yeah. off campus. So I don't even, I may be, I may be giving Fulmer the credit that he do not even deserve for the cut. I just don't, yeah. I mean, whatever. would be less. All right. Who's getting the South Carolina? They, they better hope it's Billy
2: Napier. Um, because if it, because if it doesn't end up being him. There's going to be, you know, there, there, there could be a decent, uh, decent drop off. You will appreciate this in regards to, uh, to Hugh Freeze. It, will be a, it would be a fascinating administrative exercise if they tried to hire Hugh Freeze. The South Carolina president, Bob Caslin, is a retired Army lieutenant general, former superintendent at West Point, uh, you know, a buttoned up guy known for his, you know, who wrote a book entitled The Character Edge, Leading and Winning with Integrity. So can you imagine Bob Caslin, author of a book, you could buy it on Amazon, trotting out Hugh Freeze at a Zoom press conference (laughs) like that would be one of the most SEC things of all time as we we get the forgiveness, you know, spiel from Hugh that we've all heard a million
1: times. Integrity is a is a fun uh, integrity has a sliding scale. Yeah. (laughs) Lou it Holtz does. gives speeches and written books on integrity, put four schools on probation. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's done well as a political commentator lately. Just a, it was so, just oh, a yeah. bad luck all four times. All four times.
2: Right. Darn it. Yeah,
1: no, the the
3: freeze dynamic is fascinating. The fan, A lot of fans want him. A lot of their boosters want him. And obviously, as you said, Pete, there is the presidential disconnect that would have to be overcome there. And then there is also... The roadblock known as Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, who personally made sure Hugh Freeze did not get hired right after the Ole Miss meltdown as an offensive coordinator and at least two SEC schools wanted to hire him. And Greg Sankey stepped in and said, not on my watch, not right now. Now, has it cooled down enough? Maybe, but I they would still need, if I, if I know the rules correctly, that having been at least Charged, I think, with unethical conduct. I don't think it was found that way by the NCAA, but that that freeze that South Carolina's president would have to make the phone call to Greg Sankey and say, uh, "We want to hire Hugh Freeze. What do you think?" And I think we know what Greg Sankey would say: He'd "Say you can't find anybody else." So, but so the freeze thing's interesting. Yeah, Billy Napier, obviously an attractive candidate there. Yeah, you know, I, I think Jamie Chadwell would be interesting, but it's probably too big a leap from one great year at Coastal Carolina to the South Carolina job and then uh, I would well, like to see Tony Elliott get a a, a sniff oh, yeah. at that. I don't know whether he would want it. The South or the Clemson offensive coordinator who's, you know, been right there in the state and and made South Carolina watch how good he's done coaching that
2: offense. What about Scott Satterfield, Pat?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, not out of the question not out of the question. I and sat, it's been, a, it's been a very rough year at Louisville from just, they've, they've lost, they've had virus issues. Uh, I think he's a great coach and he showed it his first year there. I'm not sure he's like just super in love with Louisville. You know, it's a bigger city than he's used to living in. Uh, although Columbia is not a small city, but still, I, I just, I think that you know, it's not the kind of place where he came there, and it's like, oh, I feel really comfortable here, from a just from a
2: a living standpoint. Yeah, and if you're South Carolina, y- if you got him from App, you'd be doing backflips, right? Um, you know, he's way better at app than Napier has been at Louisiana and obviously way better than Chadwell uh, has been, and those guys are great, but like the track records there, he's been in your footprint. So he's recruited and developed and has the trust of the high school coaches in that quarter that you need to do. If you're too big of a prisoner of the moment at South Carolina to look at Scott Satterfield and not see beyond this two and six COVID year, a lot of times you take over a job. The second year is the hardest. I don't know. I think that's a name that should be getting more buzz, but it would take like. A lot of things we don't see in leadership in college athletics, it would take sort of vision and like some administrative muscle. And you'd have to like gut through, a you know, maybe a hard question or two from the state at a press conference. But yeah, yeah, like I just I I think that's the the best name on that list.
1: All right. Here's the other news out of the uh, SEC is LSU, a report by USA Today pretty thorough investigation, uh, found that uh, LSU consistently mishandled sexual misconduct allegations against male students and top athletes, including former running back Darius Geis, uh, wide receiver Drake Davis, seven other football players who played for Ed Orgeron, failure to follow Title IX laws, denying accusers access to police reports, failures to investigate, call in the police, take meaningful action, all sorts of issues. This is a damning, damning story. The school has hired a law firm to look into it It's always fine interesting because it's like the the old internal investigation, who knew what and when and where. What does that leave Ed Orgeron? Uh, Obviously, we don't have a newspaper uh, investigation is one thing. It's not everything, although USA Today is not going to just publish this stuff uh, willy-nilly, especially these reporters. But... um, Thoughts on where this leaves LSU football? Is this something LSU as an institution is actually going to care about? I, I don't know. Uh, but wh- where are we at? Uh,
3: I would say I'll believe LSU will care about it substantially when I see it. Uh, that that school has not shown to uh, have a whole lot of concern about anything other than going 15-0 and winning a national championship in, in football. Ed Orgeron and before him, Les Miles, in a lot of ways, were kind of allowed to do what they wanted with the program. Uh, and a lot of it was good. I'm not saying, you know, it was all bad. But there were players that got into a lot of issues down there and kept playing for the Tigers. And, you know, I think that there that was a very disturbing story and should provoke a substantive response from them, but we will see. I mean, this is also the same school that's had Will Wade, and I am not equating the two things because what's happened, the football allegations of assaulting women is much more serious than Will Wade giving out suitcases of cash. But in terms of responding to negative happenings in your athletic department, hey, they looked at Will Wade saying like, eh, it's okay, we're good. We're just going to keep rolling. So I don't know whether this
2: will be the same, but I will, again, I'll believe they're going to do something when I see it. Yeah, in terms of being a land of no accountability, LSU is very, very high in the collegiate threshold. They would be they would be a top five no accountability uh, u- university and athletic department. And uh, again, I do not equate what's happening in their basketball program with that, but I don't think there are many places right now, athletically, that have a bigger mess on their hands than, than, than LSU. When you look collectively at the amount of issues there, you look at the NCAA issues from the uh, the hospital scam, remember the, the guy who was raising money for the children Hospital and was using to pay the parents of players, so they're in NCAA hot water for that. Obviously, the basketball program's in turmoil, and look, the the football program is is in turmoil right now. And and it goes above Ed Orgeron to be honest. When you when you read what Verge Asbury, the longtime associate AD there, when he had a player text him and admit to hitting his girlfriend, and there were apparently no imminent. That is like that is just like you read that and you cringe. You have a visceral reaction. You are like, are you kidding me? How does that happen? And so there are a lot of questions that, that need to be answered at LSU. Some of these things happened pre-adorgeron. I'm not I'm certainly not giving him a, a free pass because he was on staff. So, you know, there, there's certainly been a lot of people covering their eyes and their ears and singing la 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 at, at LSU. And I mean, almost like working hard. The most galling detail of it is the school won't even give one of the young women the police report about her own accusation. How twisted do you have to be to sit in a meeting room and say, oh, we're not going to give this victim the public record about her complaint yeah anybody uh, yes unbelievable I, yeah unbelievable. so there's there is some and there were there were quite frankly some really jarring things that happened outside the athletic department that were yeah. that that were issues there and, and and don't leave it to LSU to be like well these aren't athletics problems these are bigger problems and we're going to come in and fix it to make sure the consequences aren't too punitive for the athletic department. Cause that we've seen that act before. We've seen it at North Carolina. We've seen it at Auburn when they've had academic issues. That's a, that's an old tired sort of cop out to protect athletics, but it will be interesting what, what, you know, Hush Blackwell is a real place. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what they do come up with, but it was great reporting by USA today. And it was very jarring. And uh, this is a defining moment for LSU and its leadership.
1: Yeah. I uh, look uh, uh, against my, um, long experience with college athletics. I'm going to hold out hope that LSU will take this extremely seriously if the law firm comes back and confirms uh, these details. Call me naive and a hopeless optimist on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to go romantic, but yeah, this is just really not good. Disturbing and and troublesome, and I don't know. We'll wait and see what comes back as fact, but... Man, I mean, if 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 USA Today published this story and these aren't the facts, uh, this would be a, I mean, it'd just be unbelievable that they would do that. Uh, it's just yeah. not the way. I know people get tired. Yeah, oh, this story's fake or this story, and there's certain we know journalism and that kind of story with those bylines and the people who are on it doesn't just come out. It right. is a, it is the it is months of work. It is lawyers. It is back and forth with the school. It is your you. If you're one of those reporters, we've all done these types of stories. We've done them together. You're terrified the last week trying to figure out what you got wrong. I mean, it's your career or theirs. And and so this is not just something you throw out there. So, boy, uh, any LSU fans like, yeah, they'll find out that isn't true. Boy, good luck with that. Um, yeah, and, school and certainly it, didn't deny anything, nobody denied anything. And believe me, if I, you can come up with this, is my employment or whatever. Someone accuses me of saying, I knew a guy was beating his girlfriend and I didn't do anything. The hell, I'm shutting up. Yeah, the right. hell, I'm shutting up. Say, Well, you lose your job. Who cares? I'll go get right. another job. Yeah, and nobody's gonna tell me that I knew a guy was beating on his girlfriend and didn't do anything.
3: Uh, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, as you said, when we have done these stories and that story hits print or hits the Internet, for a couple hours afterwards, you are just sitting there saying, don't ring, phone. Don't ring. Don't ring. Because, you know, because that's the thing. If you got something that wrong, those people are going to let you know quickly. So I would say that it's a pretty good indication, not necessarily airtight but a pretty good indication that what's written in that story is is pretty well documented and LSU is going to have to deal with a serious
1: deal. Yeah, this could be a huge story going forward. So, we're not ready to 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 find them guilty yet, but uh we will see and we'll see what LSU comes up with and how they respond. They they can determine how they're seen off of this because I don't know anybody. I, I know fans. We fans get over the top. They want to win all that stuff. But I even the craziest fan is not in favor of 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 what's in that in that story or the vast vast but you got to be absolute sicko to be like yeah i'm good with it yeah no, i mean no uh, you know let's uh, the lsu fans are crazy and we love them they're not that crazy no, okay no, a lot right. of them send their own kids to that school and all that this there's no and it, and it did go beyond just football but that's not the issue the whole school's got to deal with this and, and and we'll see so that is something that uh to look forward to going on all right we mentioned this earlier. Uh, college basketball, I believe, is supposed to start next week or something Yeah, close. 25th. Day day before, before uh,
2: Wednesday. I Wednesday. Week from the one. draft, which is Wednesday. I yeah, saw something about the
1: the bad boy mowers is trying to sponsor a tournament up in South <laughs> Dakota. Okay. There was a sentence written today. I think I, I saw a tweet from John Rothstein who covers college basketball, and it said something like, Texas A&M is pulling out of the bad boy mower college classic in South Dakota and is replaced by Northern Iowa. And I was just like, okay, this sport's already off the rails. If that sentence exists in the world,
0: <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> we don't have the bad boy more bowl. So we need something in our That's life it. with the bad I, boys. I, you know,
1: we have, we have spent time on this podcast talking about my admiration and wistfulness that I would own a bad boy mower their zero turn yes. mowers are absolutely phenomenal i love mowing <laughs> my lawn and those things are fun- great so i love them but the whole sentence made no sense to me i also love the idea that like let's do it in south dakota there's no cases it's like actually there's tons again uh, uh, the whole yeah. thing's a disaster but whatever this sport doesn't seem like it's going to start let alone finish rick but Pat- at least until there's a vaccine rick patino Becomes the voice of reason of all things. Yeah, Come, that's when you comes know up. things are
2: sideways. Rick
1: Pitino's like, we need to push it back and have made Madness, and everyone's like, I agree with Rick Pitino. That's a, actually a very sage <laughs> and reasonable uh, statement there. And it's like, what the heck? the sports off its rails, Rick Pitino.
2: Yeah, but then he wants to have everyone in the N state tournament, so he loses me there.
1: Yeah, but then they're going to have the N state tournament only in Indianapolis. Basically, they're just going to be you know we don't know yeah. somewhere in Indiana we're going to get like. They're going to play a game in like Larry Bird's backyard, full court is going to <laughs> French uh, Lick, well, the, classic.
2: Yeah. French, re- right? Lick yeah, yeah.
1: French, French, sub-regional. Are we going to love be like, it? There's a, you know, there's a million red barns with a hoop tacked oh, up. Yeah. We're just have half court I means yeah. a little, little clunky, you know, something at the speed. <laughs> I don't know where they're doing. Everybody to Indianapolis thought that was a great idea to finish the season, but it's like, uh, are we going to get there? happy tip off huh
3: yeah that's the thing is it's just gonna be this sport I mean it's it's just gonna be brutal trying to get started and trying to get games in uh you know if you think the football cancellations have become a little bit overwhelming wait till basketball first of all there's more teams and secondly there's just gonna be cancellations by the handful all the damn time the the complications here are obvious one one guy tests positive and he's practicing with the other 11. Guess what? You've all been contact traced. See ya. sit down for two weeks or whatever. And between that and playing games indoors, more travel because there's more games. Uh, There's there's just a lot of issues for college basketball to overcome. And uh, this is one of those where it was like, okay, we're going to we're going to have a plan. And then it was like, yeah, the plan's not looking that good, but that's okay. We're sticking with the plan. At least we have a
2: plan. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. (laughs) So I just this baffles me about college basketball. It was going on. So football is going through this just like tumultuous mess, right? Things are getting canceled. Things are getting moved. There's contact tracing. There's games being moved around. And college basketball leaders don't sit around and say, "Okay, we need a streamlined, tight, shortened version to get our season in." They say, no, 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 no. We're going to have MTEs here, and we're going to bring 40 teams there. They're like, let's have the most complicated spread out. They're not like, let's bus trip to here. No, no. They're going to go to like, okay, all right, we can't go to Maui. Well, we're going to go to Asheville, and let's do the tournament in Asheville. Well, we need data points. Like, the the conversations I'm still having with college basketball coaches blow my mind. Are there going to be enough data points? You want to grab them by the collar and say, hey, knucklehead, get the tournament in. All that matters is getting the tournament in. And you know what? Belmont may get screwed because they may not have, like, enough crossover data points in their league. And, you know, six, 500 Providence in their league may get in over that. And you know what? Tough cookies, okay? But trying to go play this whole elaborate non-league schedule and the fact that very few people have just called this completely preposterous, it's just like, thank God Dan Gavin and in Indy was like, okay, here's our plan for this. Like, here's our plan for the tournament. Honestly, you know, instead of, like, you know, the, the first four out, you know, they always have that. In the, the They're, they're going to have to have the first four ready to come in to the tournament bracket. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're going to have right on the border, right in, right in Louisville. You're not out yet. Right? You're not, right? not yeah. out yet. Yeah. yeah. Basically, somewhere like in a courtyard Marriott on the Indiana border, <laughs> they're going to, like, storm the team in. All right, get to Mackey <laughs> Arena for a 130 tip. You're playing Michigan State. Like that's, that's what this is going to be. This is a free for all. It's a mess. Like, I don't care what your Ken Palm is. Just get 15 conference games, play the tournament, wait for the vaccine, try harder next season. All right. Like, like I, I'm not trying to like, I'm fine with ambition and I want as much college. I would watch so much college basketball on TV right now. Oh my God. I'd watch, I'd watch six games a night. I would love to have it, but like, don't. Schedule yourself into oblivion in the middle of a pandemic, so you have like comparable data point. Like people are still talking about and say tournament it, metrics. It's like no, get on the court, let the committee figure it out. Get to Monday night, cut the nets, and just like hide for three months.
1: Hope hope you play ten games or something. I mean, yeah. Oh my god, no, this is. I mean, we all love college basketball. I think all of us got into. Sports writing more for college basketball than college football at the time. I mean, just go back to this one sentence because this is if you if you said this sentence to somebody who didn't know college athletics, they would ask for a translation. Sources: Northern in no, Northern Iowa is replacing Texas A and M in the Bad Boy Mowers Crossover Classic <laughs> in South Dakota. This is a, that is proper What's English crossing over
2: there, like is it the, crossing? Like,
1: and is this like, really a classic? I mean, is this a classic? <laughs> I, I, the term classic is being overused. I, I love you, bad boy mowers, but come on now. Um, all right, so this is my pick for to win the national championship this year. Georgia Tech is going to win the national championship this year, and I am going to tell you why. Because exactly what Pete was talking about, Josh Pastner, the coach at Georgia Tech, is listening to. He is giving up, basically, on trying yeah. to run a regular season. His They will have no practices. Because of the contact racing, they will have individual workouts, skill workouts, and that's it. No five on five, no no starters, first scout team. I'm reading the AJC story here, so I'm not trying yeah. not to plagiarize. Nobody is in close contact with anybody until mm-hmm. game time. So there can be no contact problem. And he's just basically like, it's more important to have a team than be any good. <laughs> It's more important to be able to, guess field a yeah. team. I and find Pastor this to be being
3: genius. the voice of
2: reason for the sport is another bad spot.
1: <laughs> Josh Bastner, innovative coach. He's like, I mean, but he's, I'm like, I was reading this story going, yeah, you know what? He's like, getting, even getting to play 27 games would be one of the most remarkable accomplishments. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> if you show up, just show up. So it's like, nope, we yep. don't practice. He's the opposite. He's Alan Iverson, should sign there. <laughs> <laughs> Get AI out of retirement. You don't have to practice. Yes. This is the greatest team to ever play for. Everybody hates practice. <laughs> right. Bob Knight's head would blow off his body oh if it God. can't practice. What? Only play games. And then you can't yell at coach. We didn't even work on that. All we did was dribble alone in a gym. So I got Georgia Tech winning it all. I don't know about you guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? They actually should be pr- did pretty good this year, too. I, I talked to Pastor last week. I do an ACC preview, and he was telling me, he was t- he's like, yeah, we just get one guy into the gym at a time, do skill work. That's it. Bring in the next guy. Do skill work. <laughs> Bring in the next guy. Do skill work.
2: It's actual survive in advance. That's what this season yeah. is. Like, forget, yeah, really like, is. you have to outlast the nine seed. No, no, no. This is just survive and keep your roster intact.
1: It's a, it's a strategy. It's a strategy. I like it. All right. Uh, finally, the the college basketball and college sports news of the week also included the parting of ways. I don't know how they – I think re, the resignation of Greg Marshall at Wichita State. Uh, he took him to the 2013 Final Four. Is obviously a very, very successful coach there and at Winthrop. However – After a school investigation into media reports about abusive and boorish behavior, including allegations of actually punching a player and strangling an assistant coach, which tends to get you fired. Um, I did a radio show the other day and they said, well, these new standards uh, coaches have to adhere to are really getting these guys. (laughs) I'm like, it's been a while since you could strangle your assistant and uh, stay, you know, not have face some discipline. But Marshall's gone, got 7.75 million in a settlement, which, again, going back to our earlier discussion, talks about how lopsided and ridiculous these contracts are. Uh, I looked into this. Greg Marshall had a rolling seven-year deal. Every yeah. It never was Incredible less than seven contract. years. Uh, Incredible mean, Just like a Supreme Court justice doesn't have that kind of security. <laughs> I mean, conceivably, he could die and still have seven more years of pay that his, that his wife could try to get, right? Oh, yeah, and she'd try. <laughs> like literally, you're, you're the Supreme Court justice. You just die, and the checks stop. I assume like two weeks later. Maybe one, you know, maybe it takes a while for billing to get. I don't know how it works up there, but um, totally ridiculous contract. And this is what you get. And you also have got all these allegations. You have players and staff members and people around this program who don't feel comfortable going to the school or already did. They're going to the media to blow the whistle on a guy, which again tells you what this. You know, what is going on in college athletics? So I get why they paid them the $7 million they had to, but they never should have signed that deal. Uh, I will say this. At the very least, Greg Marshall could have gone somewhere else. Some will Will Muschamp or Phil Fulmer. But again, the lopsided nature of these contracts screws these schools over to where a guy who, I mean, Greg Marshall is not denied. I mean, you don't walk if you're accused of this, right? Every practice is filmed. It's there should be something here to kind of exonerate yourself and we aren't hearing that so thoughts on Greg Marshall I,
3: you know goodbye good riddance sorry you had to feel like you needed to coach like a, an abusive tyrant but the thing that that just kills me that like this the school's release on this and I, I understand that there has to be you know you, you have come to this agreement to get rid of him without anybody having to admit anything right? Uh, But but the fact that that just that escaping of accountability and being able to at least say, hey, I'm sorry, we're sorry. None of that happens. You know, I think you read these things like all these players came out and said, yeah, Greg Marshall abused us. Greg Marshall did this. Greg Marshall did that, said this, said that at no point in any of the information. The the self-serving quotes from Marshall, the quotes from the athletic director. Does anybody say we are? Feel badly for our student athletes who had to put up with Greg Marshall, you know. But that's the way these things work. You you, you whitewash it. You get a non disclosure agreement. Nobody ever has to say anything. Here's your ton of money.
2: We'll all walk away. Yeah, I really feel like it's a it's a scary window into seven point seven five million dollars of bad happened there. Like that's how much people knew. How much people saw. Like I guess I wasn't surprising that he got this to go away only because. Uh, it, It was surprised As soon as they didn't immediately suspend him, I said, okay, there's some culpability and enabling here. And they are scared of Greg Marshall going on the stand and saying, well, you knew that, you saw that, you were there for that, and just destroying careers up and down the university and the athletic department. So it is 7.75 million in hush money. And Greg Marshall's lawyers played them. They played them for a song. So, and look, There'll be 48 hours of bad publicity, and then there'll be a weekend of college football, and the season will start. And a week from now, no one's going to be talking about Wichita State. And that's just that that's just the world we live in and the news cycles we live in. But if there was a trial and if there was, you know, Greg Marshall trying to go get his money from the school, there would be months and months of bad publicity. There'd be leaks, there'd be injunctions, depositions, all those kinds of things. So Wichita State was culpable enough institutionally as an athletic department that it ate almost eight million dollars to keep Greg Marshall
1: quiet. Absolutely amazing. Not enough money. No one's got any money. Yeah. No feel, bad for the, money. feel bad for the swim team. Your pool's about yeah. to get drained.
3: That's right. Look out, non, non-revenue non sports. Look go, out there. Look out at South good. Carolina. We just had to pay Will champ $13 million.
1: Greg Marshall will have some uh, anger management classes or something, right? Become a good church man for a little while. A couple years. He'll be back. Well, you know, Greg a changed man now. He's mellowed.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's mellowed. Someone will bring him back.
1: All right, let's get to That's the. That's why I uh, ripped race.
3: him
2: so bad. So no one will come to me and say, Hey, do you want to do the Greg Marshall comeback profile? It's like, nope.
1: I've X'd myself out of that one. Yeah, I think I'm out on that too. Uh, all right, race for the case. I want to take a moment to congratulate all of us. Nobody is even 500 right now. If you want gambling advice, the race for the case is actually doing a pretty good job this year. Are we all above 500? Pete is 13 games above 500. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. Uh I got sent this. This is the uh screen grab of the uh VSIN, uh the, yep. the uh network. Musburger works for the network. Yep. I've actually been yep. on the good guys out there, but yep. their college no, picks uh last week went all of them combined went five and twenty-five. What? Five and twenty-five. And they not were,
0: on this show. No. I was gonna
3: say on college football, that's terrible. I mean We've had a week or two like that
1: each, but come on. Damn, parade, come on. parade of geniuses over here. <laughs> you get this thing for free. <laughs> Sully and I are 33, 32, and 1. We are above 500, and that's not counting the fat bear. <laughs> is counting my terrible 0-6 week when I thought Central Arkansas was going to win like three. I thought they were playing like three times. I think I pick, kept picking them. I don't know. Pat, you're 35-31, so we're doing a hell of a job around here. So listen up, people. Don't turn off this little podcast just when we get to race for the case because this is where the real genius comes. That's right. Roll with us. Come on. I mean, how the hell do you go 5-25 and 25 as a staff? I don't know. I, you know it's bad when I'm trash-talking other people's picks. <laughs> All right, let's start it up. We've discussed a lot of these games. Be quick. Number nine, Indiana at number three, Ohio State. Ohio State is giving 20.5. Game is noon on Fox, the big noon game. Pat Forty, who you got?
3: Buckeyes win.
1: Hoosiers cover the 20.5. That's
3: too much. They can score. It's going to be just a bit of a shootout. Uh, Indiana will lose by less than
2: 20.5. I am. Uh, I'm taking the Buckeyes. I mean, I, Indiana is great. It's a great story, but I need to see it. And uh, I mean, look, the Penn State's pretty awful. And they took that controversial Play that's on every man cave in Indiana to to get by the Nittany Lions. So I will. Uh, I am going to take the proven commodity and the brand over the upstart. That's it.
1: look forward to seeing it.
0: I'm with you, Pete. It's uh, Phoenix versus Fields. I'm taking the guy with uh, zero interceptions and almost a thousand yards already. Bucks big.
1: Pat, I'm going to make it a lone Hoosier on this. I got to take Buckeyes. I, I I just cannot. Great season by Indiana so far, but I'm going to be sitting there on Saturday going, "Why the hell did I ever pick Ohio State?" to not cover. I mean, it's like, it's just, this is just the lock standard. You got to have your rules of gambling. This is my rule. Taking the bucks and the point, uh, giving the points. All right. Like, don't State. take
2: Illinois as your lock of the week.
1: That should be one of those Yeah, rules. I would not do that. <laughs> Sorry. App, <laughs> those days are over. That was bad. <laughs> he took Missouri the next week. <laughs> it's usually those our lock days of- are over. They're over. <laughs> hey, he has recovered to be 35, 30, and one. That's right. You need a Phil Fulmer retention bonus for that. <laughs> <laughs> you might leave our podcast to go to what? That's like right. again, right? No, what I'm podcast like... would want you? All right. I'm walking. I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> App state at number 15, Coastal Carolina. Coastal's given five and a half game is noon on ESPN two. I am taking App State. They've, they've, You've they've, they have these... been waiting a month for this game. You have been waiting months to make this pick. Yes. I I say,
2: like, come for the crown, you know? Uh, App State, they lost at Marshall, which in, in retrospect is not big. And, like, they are – I know this because I'm well-sourced at App State. They are pissed that Coastal is the bell of the ball in college football right now. And they are pissed that people just said for all the dominance that App State has had in the Sun Belt that people just have completely forgotten about them. So – um, I will believe it when the, when the King is knocked off. Until then, I am taking App State with my points.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm taking App State in the points, too. I still think Coastal Carolina can win this, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a field goal game. So I will take uh, the Mountaineers there. I think a very, very solid team that if they can run the ball two-thirds of the time and stay on their schedule like they like to do in, in terms of their offensive balance, uh, they can have success here.
0: I've uh, ridden the chance a couple times this year, and uh, they haven't let me down yet. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on the other side of that and take Coastal.
1: Uh, I am going to take App State. Their defense has been phenomenal this season. Almost everybody's uh, under 20, uh, and I think as good as the offense at Coastal's been. If you're giving me these points, I got to take App State. Uh, would not be surprised if Coastal won it though. I think it's gonna be a hell of a game. Uh, all right, next one. Uh, number ten, Wisconsin. And number nineteen, Northwestern. Wisconsin is giving seven and a half. Game is three thirty on ABC.
3: Yep, yeah. Pete and I already tipped this. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm going Northwestern here. They do not only will cover, but I think they can win. Uh, it's going to be low scoring, long, you know, possessions. Not going to be a ton of plays because both these teams like to play slowly. Uh, and I, guess, as I said earlier, I think Northwestern red zone defense will make a big difference. Uh, I've got. The Wildcats to
2: not just cover, but to win by a point, twenty to nineteen. I am. uh, It's always scary when I'm this much in line with Pat. It always unnerves me a little bit. It's a lot. Seven and a half is a lot of points for Northwestern. You know, know? like that's just like they don't tend to win or lose by large margins because they're just going to get in the muck and do it. And I look forward to seeing this Wisconsin team. Punched in the mouth for first time for the first time by something other than a virus.
0: Oh man, um, Wisconsin leads the country in time of possession so far through two games. Smaller sample size, granted, but yeah, I think it's going to be a sh- shorter game, close game, under seven and a half. Give me the cats.
1: Yeah, i well, going the same. Going Northwestern. It's the uh, that that hook, man. That half point. It's just too much. If that was six and a half, I might think differently, but I'm going to take Northwestern. I think it'll be a very good game. All right. Central Florida at number seven, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is giving five and a half points. uh, Pete, you can start. Yeah, I just think Cincinnati is a much better
2: program right now. And I'd really be worried about Central Florida's defense in this game. The the thing that's allowed Cincinnati to go from a top twenty team to an elite playoff contending team is the evolution of its offense with Desmond Ritter at the helm. He's really they've really developed a nice balance with uh with a good stable at tailbacks, a good offensive line. And I do think I was at the Cincinnati-UCF game uh, last season, and I really feel like Cincinnati has found a little bit of the secret sauce to slow down UCF. So uh, I feel like the Bearcats are going to win, and they could win big.
3: Uh, Yeah, Bearcats win and cover. Love their team right now. Very complete team. They are great on defense, as Pete noted, rapidly improving on offense. They They are running the ball. They are able to throw the ball. I sat down, had a long interview with Desmond Ritter today, the quarterback. Really cool guy, interesting guy, Uh, has been dating the same girl since his sophomore year of high school, and they're expecting their first child. Now he's a redshirt junior in college uh, in April, got a baby girl coming. So congrats to him for that. And congrats on the fact that you're going to
2: not just beat UCF, but cover. Congrats on your child and
0: helping
1: us win our dumb betting game for a case That's of right, and covering the spread. <laughs> Maybe not in that order, Desmond. <laughs> if you do not cover the spread, then I no longer congratulate you on becoming a coming up father.
0: I have no idea what the over is, but I love it. I'll side with you guys and take the Bearcats. But UCF's been putting up some points. Dylan Gabriel and the boys have been clicking uh, the last few weeks. So uh, look at the over if you're if you're inclined.
1: This is actually concerning me, this baby news, because it's exhausting those first few weeks. I mean, absolutely. I don't the know. Baby how... ain't coming till April. Not till April. Oh, oh, I thought the baby just got born. All right.
0: No, oh no. I wasn't no.
1: listening to you. I was researching my lock of the week. All right. In that case, still what are we still early, second first or second trimester here, right? Nothing. Yeah. 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 You don't even have to like make runs to the dairy queen and like, you know, some kind of <laughs> no, you're good. All right. I'll take Cincy then. Since he, uh, that, 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 that flipped it over for me. Uh, since he can have enough. All right. Bedlam didn't even get to this. God, this is how far this thing's fallen. Oklahoma state <laughs> 14 at 18, uh, verse 18, uh, OU games at seven 30. OU's given a touchdown seven points. Always one of the, uh, it's called Bedlam for a reason. Big game for, uh, for the mullet. Uh, the Stillwater mullet could use this one. He has not done very well against Oklahoma. Does he do better this time? Sully, why don't we start with you?
0: Gundy's 2-13 and 13 against the Sooners in his career. Oklahoma State's offense is still not clicking on all cylinders. Everything says take the Sooners. But you're right. This game's always a wacky mess. Seven points. I'll be on the other side of that. I'll take the points and give me the pokes.
3: Uh, I'm with you, Sully. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, seven points a little too much for this one. Uh, I just... i. I'm not sold on Oklahoma in general uh, I'm not super super sold on Oklahoma State either but I just think that this is one of Oklahoma State's better all-around teams and they're overdue to at least just have this be close if they don't win they're gonna at least cover
2: oh I like this I like the Sooners in this one Oklahoma State really hasn't played. Many true road games yet this season, and uh, that's a program that that has always been solid at home and kind of falls apart once they uh, once they leave. Oklahoma also has some key personnel back on defense from suspensions that have helped them. They've, they're they're going to quietly get better under Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley didn't forget how to coach offense, so I think that vaunted Oklahoma State defense that's been built on a uh, a pretty paltry schedule gets exposed here, and I think the Sooners win big.
1: I am with you too. The Sooners they uh, they scored thirty three on TCU. 62 in each game against Texas Tech and Kansas. That offense is starting to look like what it's supposed to look like. Uh, And so I think that's enough for them to cover on uh, the Cowboys. So we'll take that. All right, lock of the week time. All right, my lock of the week is going to be Purdue giving
2: three
3: to Minnesota. Minnesota's horrendous, awful, terrible, defensively irredeemable. So Purdue will not
2: have too much trouble covering a field goal against the gophers. I'm going to take Iowa at Penn State. Iowa's a two-point favorite at Penn State. Iowa playing well, Penn State playing poorly the the mystique of playing in state college is completely gone. Obviously no fans and everything so I think that I think the Hawkeyes could beat them up pretty good. like if Iowa as a program senses you don't have a spirit they will maul you into the ground.
0: I will take Boise State giving up 14 at Hawaii. The Rainbows couldn't stop a wet paper bag last week. San Diego State fired off 28 unanswered points. That is the good news with Bachmeyer back in the fold at quarterback for the Boise State. Blue Turfers, give me the Broncos.
1: All right. I I couldn't believe there was a line on this. I'm actually not going to take this game, but I'm just surprised there was a line. BYU North Alabama. Yeah. Negative 47 and a half. I know. I I thought about taking BYU in that, but then uh, I found uh, this little gem. Uh, Florida Atlantic given 32 and a half against the UMass Minutemen. I will take Florida Atlantic on that. UMass has scored 10 points in two games. They've lost 92 to 10 so far. (laughs) Florida Atlantic actually has a defense. So Minutemen are not going to score. And it's just a matter of can you get to 33? And I'm counting on you, FAU. That is my lock of the week. <laughs> Some you got to scrape the barrel in this <laughs> 2020 <laughs> fighting Taggart. <laughs> I mean, North Alabama is a Division One. I. I didn't even know you could have
3: yeah. lines against like F. Is that what is that? I was yeah, no, they do now. They have lines against those teams now. But I, I was tempted by that one too, just because BYU is trying to do for all the style points imaginable. So if they can score 70, they will. I, but
1: that's what I would think. You 47 try to win the,
3: and a That's a lot of points. It's a lot, that's of, a points. lot. It's a lot yeah. of
1: points. Uh, anyway, well, I'm sticking with the, the uh, FAU. So that's our show. We'll be back to overreact to uh, whatever actually gets played. Uh, see, see, hopefully by the time this posts, uh, most of it isn't uh, canceled we can hope, uh, actually it's going to be a fun, really nicely paced out day. If you look at the games, uh, should be good. We will talk to you on Monday. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly blue book, my wallet on auto trader.